All right, welcome everybody. This is Mary Craig Ministries and Craig House Christian Fellowship. We are in a series, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit. The message today is compassion. We're going to talk about the moving of the Holy Spirit in compassion. But the title of the message is Compassion. I am Dr. Mary Craig. It is July 16, 2023. And let's pray. Holy Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, whose we are and whom we serve. Thank you, God, for the body and blood sacrifice of Christ on our behalf. Thank you for his life a perfect personal perpetual obedience, even to death on the cross. Thank you, Lord God, that he fulfilled all righteousness, even dying to pay the penalty for sin, redeeming those for whom he died by his blood, the sacrifice of himself. Thank you that he brought the reconciliation that overcomes alienation from you, a holy God, that by this, thank you, Lord Jesus, bore your wrath, bore the curse, bore the sin, and bore the glory. And now we can know this, know you as Father. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus destroyed the works of darkness, defeating Satan and his kingdom publicly. Thank you, Lord, for the sending of the Holy Spirit. We ask that the Holy Spirit come as the Spirit of truth, guiding us into the truth, and as the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, revealing Jesus Christ to us and granting us wisdom for the days in which we live. O oh God, open our eyes today to your compassion. Compassion comes from you, Lord God. Open our eyes to comprehend, understand, and perceive, and especially what you have for us today as we seek to honor Jesus Christ and to glorify you, a living and true God, the only living and true God. And so, Lord, we just we want you to come. Lord, that we would have a deeper understanding of your compassion, something that we do not deserve and cannot earn. And your grace goes even farther than your compassion and mercy. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so during the days of Noah, violence covered the earth. 
I believe that apart from the living God moving in compassion and moving in people to act compassionately, we would see little or none of of it. No, we wouldn't see compassion. Natural man cannot feel godly compassion. We might feel some level of pity or sympathetic concern, but human emotions without God do not express true compassion. If there is a demonstration of concern, it's mostly coming from a what's-in-it-for-me bent of the heart, or it's a snare or a trap or deceit on the part of a part of a con job. I've been to 86 nations, and I've seen it all over the world. Compassion comes from the heart of God. Only in the nature of God do we have true compassion revealed. Compassion involves feeling passion with someone to enter sympathetically into their sorrow and pain. Compassion in English translations represent at least five Hebrew and eight Greek terms. So we head for the dictionaries to do some research. Number one, our first word comes from a word translated the inward parts. God puts truth in the inward parts. This first word comes from a word that they translate the inward parts. This can include the heart, lungs, liver, and kidneys, and gradually came to denote the seat of the affections. It can describe feeling compassion or being moved with compassion and taking pity. The reference is G4697. And there's a list of scriptures. They'll be listed in the written version of this message, which will be online at marycraig.org. Okay, so in Hebrew, the word raccoon um, is used only and always of God. There's a bunch of references that'll be from Brown Driver Briggs. They call it the BDB. That will be in the written version. Okay, but now I just want to share with David H. Engelhart and what he had to say. The Hebrew word and Greek words 
sometimes translated as compassion, also bear a broader meaning, such as to show pity, to love, and to show mercy. Other near synonyms for compassion in English are to be loved by, to show concern for, or to be tender-hearted, and to act kindly. The Old Testament, God's compassion is free, freely and tenderly given, like a mother's or a father's compassion for a child. Yahweh boldly declares, I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. While his compassion can be thwarted by disobedience, there are times when his disobedient people's only hope is that his compassion overcomes his anger, like in Hosea 11, verse 8. Yahweh's compassion is rooted in his covenant relationship with his people. Hope for the future is rooted in God's compassion. It is said that compassion follows wrath, as in Lamentations 3, verse 32. God's mercies are new every morning and overcome sin, God's compassion, rather than ignoring it. God doesn't ignore the sin. God is a just and holy God. He deals with the sin. He overcomes the sin in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Somebody had to pay. And that somebody who, who paid the penalty in full was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Since Compassionate Acts, A-C-T-S, not the book of Acts in the Bible, actions, since Compassionate Actions flow from compassionate persons, we're not surprised to learn that compassion is constitutive of God's very being. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, Exodus 34, verse 6, echoes of this declaration are found throughout Scripture. God's compassion was essential for the maintenance of the covenant and his people praised him for it continually, continually. The New Testament continues to speak about God as a compassionate one. 
God's compassion is demonstrated in his son's ministry, in the ministry of Jesus Christ, for and among his people. The messianic compassion is extended to the helpless crowds, the sickly masses of people, the hungry people, and the blind people, the waiting father is filled with compassion when he sees his wayward son returning, just as God has compassion on us and accepts us when we repent and return to him. Believers learn about compassion through example and exhortation. Imitating God and or Christ has led many to lives of exemplary compassion. The scriptures also exhort believers to make compassion an integral aspect of their lives. Compassion needs to be nurtured and practiced or even this basic love response can grow dull and cold, unquote, David Engelhart. And that's coming out of Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology. And I will say, many of us are following along from the movie that just came out um, about the people, children and people being trafficked in, around the world and the story of how God works to convict someone, uh, this man, Tim Ballard, um, a script from a scripture that he just had to do something. And he had the training. He, he had the skills, and um, and now the story is coming out, and it's it's his story, it's God's story, and it's a story of being obedient to the leading of the Lord. The New Testament continues. To speak about God as a compassionate one, God's compassion is demonstrated in oh, I did all of that. Huh. Oh well, in the ministry of Jesus Christ. But let's go on. The New Testament builds on the Old Testament understanding of God's compassion. Two central New Testament words are the one for mercy. And the other is used for inward parts. Mercy speaks of the emotion aroused by another person's undeserved suffering or pain. Jesus commanded the Pharisees to learn God's desire for compassion in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus 
said even slaves should practice compassion as he taught Peter about forgiveness, Matthew 18, verse 33. God shows compassion in healing the demoniac. Christians need to show compassion to those who waver or doubt. God's command for compassion from disciples finds its roots in the nature of God, who is full of compassion. And you can do more study by looking up mercy, the topic of mercy, as in BibleHub.com. Okay, the word for inward parts deals with the location of personal feelings and emotions. We went over that a little bit already. Before Christ's appearance, the Greeks apparently did not use this word to speak of compassion and mercy, it being more closely related to courage. Courage. It is not clear when the shift in meaning to compassion occurred. In the parable of the unforgiving servant, the master had compassion and forgave the servant's debt. Again, that's Matthew 18. The prodigal son's father had compassion on his son. The good Samaritan had compassion for the injured traveler. Jesus had compassion on the crowd. People needing help asked Jesus for compassion. Paul saw compassion as a quality expected of believers. Paul said he related to his readers in the compassion of Christ. That is, the quality is not an achievement by the believer, but a result of being in Christ. The love of God dwells only in those who are compassionate to a person in need. First John 3, verse 17, and Ephesians 4, 32. Compassion finds its source in God's compassion. In compassion, God has provided salvation and Forgiveness, and we also we often see it tied to forgiveness. Two, another Greek word is related to lamentation and grief for the dead, and came to mean sympathetic participation in grief. So we have sympathy cards to express our compassion. Such sympathy or compassion stands ready to help the one who has suffered loss. In the Greek Old Testament, that's the LXX, um, 
the the word we're talking about is related to some other words <laughs> that are in the written version. Paul taught that God is the Father and source of compassion. Second Corinthians one verse three. And we can compare with James five verse one. He has total freedom in exercising compassion. Romans nine. Romans nine is a very important chapter to read and be familiar with. Romans nine. Humans can sacrifice themselves for God's causes only because God has sacrificed himself in mercy. Number three, sympathy. The word translated sympathy means to suffer what someone else suffers. It came to mean to suffer with, alongside, to sympathize. Peter listed it among the basic Christian virtues in 1 Peter 3, verse 8. Having come to earth and endured all kinds of human temptations, Jesus exercises sympathy for our weaknesses. The writer of Hebrews could recall his readers' experience of having sympathy for and thus helping others helping others in prison for their faith. Hebrews chapter 10. Number four, ability to moderate. Now this word is referring to the ability to be moderate in emotions. Like don't get carried away with your emotions or passions. A human minister realizes personal weaknesses and thus moderates personal anger at another's weaknesses. Hebrews 5, verse 2. Okay, and enter the Holy Spirit. What does that have to do with the gift of the Holy Spirit anyway? God's compassion is revealed in a human heart through a work of the Holy Spirit. For example, in Romans 12:15, he gives the godly ability to weep with those who weep. Compassion compounds love and sorrow. With the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is in this mood, our hearts are tender and easily moved by distress, sufferings, wants, or lack of something, and infirmities of others. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because the Jews missed 
the day of their visitation. Jesus had compassion on their ignorance and hardness of heart that kept them in darkness. But he did not stop with the emotion. He not only desired to alleviate it, he had come to save. Number five, some components of compassion. Ephesians 4 verse 32 provides us with some of the components of compassion, like kindness, tenderheartedness, a willingness to forgive, the Holy Spirit will move in the believer to feel burdens that Christ feels when he looks on a sinful world. Thus, the moving of the Holy Spirit takes compassion beyond a feeling to action. We have to move beyond feeling to action. We will feel the burden and be moved by the Holy Spirit. And that has to get going into an action of love. Love is active. It's an action. We will find ourselves being warm and understanding and not ignoring pain being mindful and thoughtful, thinking not just of ourselves, but also others, Philippians 2. It has to move beyond feeling to action, being humble while entering into the feeling of another's infirmity, being touched as Jesus is touched by the feeling of our infirmity. 1 John 3, 16-18 By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. All right, so the basis of compassion for others lies in the fact that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. This was an action, the atoning work of Jesus Christ for salvation. He could have gone around and cried and wept and said, Oh, I feel for you guys, you poor human beings. Look at you in your sinful condition. And done nothing. But that's not why he was sent here. He was sent by the Father to do an atoning work such that it would be so complete 
a vicarious atonement that never needs to be repeated. Therefore, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Specifically, John gets right in there with verse 17 that we read. Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and sets up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? If, in fact, the love of God, the God kind of love, dwells in someone, he or she will not just write or talk about how much he loves God, but actions will show it. He or she will love in deed and in truth. Now, to this point, we must ask ourselves, what constitutes truly the loving thing to do. My husband, Pastor Jim, came up with this guide when we were being bombarded by people who essentially wanted us to adopt them. And this is it. And some of you listening have heard this before. We cannot adopt you. We cannot meet all of the needs on your list. We can meet some of your needs. These are the needs we choose to meet. And to this I would add, and this is how we choose to meet those needs. Otherwise, we open ourselves to the devil really coming in and doing a con job on us. This really happens to a lot to new believers who want to please God They have a lot of zeal and very little wisdom. Not much wisdom, but a lot of zeal. And it just opens us up. And the devil just laughs. And so we have to, we have to be wise and ask What really is the loving thing to do here? And that may be tough to really help people move. We don't don't want to establish codependent relationships. After listening, prayer, and choosing a specific need you are led by the Holy Spirit to meet are part of showing compassion. So are being open-handed and securing justice for the poor and upholding the cause of the needy. 
Deuteronomy 15, Psalm 140. But getting in between another and God so as to create a codependent relationship is not it's not helpful. It's not, and I see that, I, I see people especially when they go for to a counselor and people are always going, going to have problems and issues. And people who come for counseling can get it with things where it's easy Okay, you you solve my problem for me. You think about it. You work it out. And you give me a solution, which I probably will shoot down right in the office. And we have to we have to find out is a person problem oriented, or are, is a person solution-oriented. Do they really want a solution? If they do, then it's better to help them learn how to solve problems. How to solve a problem. I'm not talking math here. We always have something, one thing after another. Some things are little, some things are big, some things are I know what to do, and other things cause anxiety and are very scary. And so God, God, I believe, always has a plan, a strategy. And we, we look to the Lord. He will order our steps. He will get us the information that we need. We have to be oriented towards solutions and not box God in. Don't box them in. Well, I can only see two ways to solve this. Well, in counseling, they call it the third way. Christian counselors call it the third way, and it's God's way. Leave room for the Holy Spirit. He's God only wise. And who knows what he might do. Okay. And then we need to set boundaries for showing compassion and also enjoying the body of Christ while considering individuals and what truly does no harm. The body of Christ is there 
with all kinds of gifts and talents and and no one has all knowledge but God. With God is God only wise, that's one of his names. So no one has all the wisdom. We're not God. But we we can use the gifts and the callings and the talents of people in, in the body of Christ as we seek a solution and start putting a strategy into action. Love does no harm. Emotion might fuel our decisions, but the wisdom of God's word should rule our decisions. Emotion might fuel our decisions, but the wisdom of God's word should rule our decisions. We are to come to the place of operating in the will of the Father with the mind of Christ and the heart or emotions of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And let's pray. Father God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who demonstrated compassion. Compassion for others even as he was walking on the road to Jerusalem to be crucified. He showed compassion. And we thank you for that. Is another way he showed himself to be God, God the Son, the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah. He not only was merciful, but grace. And we thank you, Lord, because your compassion moves beyond mercy to grace, giving us what we do not deserve and cannot earn, even eternal life through Jesus Christ. Grant us the courage to be compassionate. Grant us the faith as a foundation for our showing compassion. Grant us wisdom that we might be truly effective in whatever we do. And Lord, let all that we do be done 
for your glory. In your name, by your grace, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And now if you please stand for the benediction. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now may the God of the peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.